Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. Kane Chain and Nelly back with you again. And we're gonna talk about uh probably one of the most interesting topics in all of Debbie and kind of Dynasty right now. If you're not kind of winning in Dynasty, this is kind of what we've been talking about. That's the 23 class versus the 24 class. And I'm on the side that the 24 class is just about as good as the 23 class, but the uh, picks are just much, much, much cheaper at this point. And we're going to talk about why that is. Shane is, as always, going to disagree with me, and I think Nelly's going to stand in the middle. Right, Nelly? <laughs> Sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's just get into this. I think, I think the only way that we can kind of you know, go head to head with classes, Shane. I think we have to start at the top, right? Um, and I, this is, we've had this conversation for at least a year, Bijan Robinson or uh, Trevion Henderson, right? Like, I think if you're trying to pick one better than the other right now, in just pure talent, you disregard the year. I think they're pretty darn similar in just how good they are and what they're going to do at the next level. I think they're both just really, really talented. So to me, I'm calling it a wash. I lean Bijan just because he's a year earlier when we th- when we add in draft classes, right? Uh, but I think I think they're pretty much a wash in talent. Uh, I, you know, I love my high state guys, but I do think Bijan is a clear step ahead of Travion Henderson in terms of talent. I think a big difference is size. I mean, Bijan Robinson's probably going to come in at a bulky two twenty, two twenty five with. You know, with pretty decent speed at that. Um, and Trayvon Henderson's injury history is a problematic, too. He's had multiple injuries this year. Nothing bad, you know, but going back to high school, he had a lot of things. I think that could be a little bit troublesome. Um, and this year just has not been as effective, mostly because of the injuries for Henderson. So I just feel a lot more comfortable with Bijan Robinson going into the NFL day one, week one, you know, as bell cow running back as you have in the NFL now. I think uh, I think Bijan's a little bit better. Trayvon Henderson could get drafted, and you know, be the number two, be be a Travis Etienne, you know, and I think that could be a problem. I don't think it hap- that happens for Bijan. Nelly, break a tie. Yeah, I think I'm. I have the most extreme opinion here. I don't think Trayvon is that close to Bijan. Um, uh, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I don't remember where. I think it was with Shane on on our second podcast. But um, Dijon is a locked first round pick. Like he has the potential to go in the first ten, top ten. He's very easily the running back one in this class. There's little to no debate that can be made there. Um, I don't think Travion is a lock to go in the first round. I think he's very very talented, right? But I don't think he's a lock to go in the first round. Um, I don't think he's a lock to be the running back one in the class either. 
Uh, and that's um, part of that's because there's other talent in the class, but part of that's just because I don't think I don't think he's shown to be quite as elite. Like I don't think he's as good of a pass catcher as Bijan is. His pass catching has taken a step back this year, and he can catch the ball, but Bijan's a, an elite pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, so don't get me wrong, Travion is a top five Debbie asset for me. I think he's number three for me. Um, but I don't think that him and Bijan are um, parallel in terms of their relationship to their classes. Okay, okay, okay. Like, I, I do like Bijan more, but I don't think they're that far apart. I think they're pretty close in terms of talent right now. Um, I think the other conversation you're going to hear right with the 23 class versus the 24 class let's talk quarterbacks right 23 has two really good quarterbacks and we're not discounting how good the quarterbacks are I think Coleridge Bernard Stroud the fourth and Bryce Young are very good quarterbacks in this 23 class right we can get into the conversation that Shane bring up like the last time that the top two quarterbacks going into a season got drafted as the top two quarterbacks was before I was born and we can get into that, but we've talked about that before, right? Um, but you compare those two against the two from the 24 class. I think there's a conversation that can be made that uh, they're relatively equal, especially if you think about where where uh, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young were this time last year, right, compared to a Caleb Williams and a Quinn Ewers. I think we're seeing relatively similar prospects this far in the in the process for Williams and Ewers that we saw out of Stroud and Young last year. And that makes a really solid case for the 24 class. Okay, I'll kind of give one prop to the 24 class as well, because I think we have a third quarterback there. I think Drake May from North Carolina is on that level and maybe even better than Quinn Ewers um, with a little more known, a little more games under his belt. He's been phenomenal this season. Um, you know, I, I would still take Stroud and Young over all the 2024 quarterbacks, which, you know, I, I think makes sense. Um, we're getting that, you know, they're coming sooner. We're getting that extra year. Like, I think most people would take that. I also think CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are both better passers than any of the quarterbacks in 2024. I know for fantasy, as Nelly I know it's going to heavily disagree with this. Uh, and you would know that already too, if you join our secret chopper program, um, you know, like Caleb Williams, I think is a very good player. I think he's a, a good quarterback. I don't think he's shown anything this year. That tells me he's a number one overall NFL draft pick passer. Um, you know, I'll put him there because someone has to go there, but I, I think he easily could be the QB three in that class. If Quinn Ewers and Drake may are better passers, which I think they've shown so far. Ewers only really has a game and a half, two games. That I really feel confident in assessing for him. Uh, so, I, you know, it's just not enough yet. I think you could be right. 2024 could be better at the quarterback position. But I think we have two, like, big-time programs, rock-solid studs, going to probably be top five picks. I'm, I mean, my partner, draft counter, Brian, this his draft, uh, his mock draft that dropped this week has Will Levis go number three over Bryce Young. Uh, that's possible too. And as much as none of us like Will Levis that much, I certainly don't. Uh, that's possible too. So I guess we could toss him in, in there 
Drake May at 24. Yeah, I, I, actually, I was going to bring up Levis because I, I think he's a key piece of this, right? Like he seems at this point like he's a likely top 10 quarterback and he's a pretty solid athlete. So he's definitely not not in nothing at this point. You're right. I mean, I, I would take Caleb Williams over over any of the 23 quarterbacks. Um, but I, I think it's close, right? Like the 23 quarterbacks are definitely safer. Stroud and Young are like pretty rock solid um prospects right like they like you said they play for blue blood programs they're both like two of the most prolific passers in the country Bryce Young won the Heisman last year um I just think ceiling wise Caleb Williams has a higher ceiling and I also think uh and this is coming from a noted Quinny or skeptic this offseason or skeptic um I think he has a higher ceiling than them as well um he's the I mean he's a Trevor Lawrence level prospect coming out of high school um, he hasn't done Trevor Lawrence things on the field yet, but he's certainly um, he sh- he made a couple throws this past weekend against Oklahoma that were, I mean they they indicated just how talented he is. So um, I think the ceiling is there. I like Jake May too, as you mentioned. He, he runs the ball more than I think people realize. Um, so I think the the twenty four quarterbacks are riskier, right? Like they're not nearly as as safe as the twenty three quarterbacks, but the ceiling is there enough for me to. Uh, potentially give the nod to them in this, but I think it's very, very close. And so one thing I need to preface real quick, right? Like don't hear what I'm, what I'm not saying. I'm not saying like, though I think the 24 class is just as close to as talented as the 23 class. I'm not saying trade your 23 picks for 24 picks in a dynasty league. Like I'm not saying that it's really, really dumb. Um, But Right now, this is the cheapest the 24 picks will ever be. And I'm trying to give an idea of what we're kind of projecting at the 24 class, right? I can just, we can throw a ton of names at you out of the 24 class, right? If we threw 12 names at you out of the 24 class, you're like, oh, cool, there's 12 guys, right? That are worthy of a first round pick, right? That doesn't count all the people that are are going to rise just like Will Levis did this year that could be rising, rising through that process, right? Like players are going to continue to get better, but this is the cheapest time that you can get a 24 first right now and a 24 second and a 24 third. So like if you can start adding those to trades, like I'm, I'm of the company that I'd rather get a 24 first than a 23 second. Right. If I'm trying to trade away an aged player and I'm not sure if I'm hundred percent competing, I'm probably going after that 24 first rather than, a 23 second at this point. Maybe I'm alone. I, I think most people would. I, I, I think uh, first, and I think when you make those trade offers, the 24 first looks better even than the 23 second. Now, if it's an early 23 second, it's a team that that's bottom of the barrel tanking, then they're probably not, they might be more willing to give up the 24 first. And I think when we hit the 23 draft, I'm probably going to try to sell the 202 for a 24 first. I, I, I rarely think that's a bad call to make, um, but I would rather pay up for a 23 first than trade for a 24 first, if that makes sense. Sure. Nelly, how do you feel? Yeah, here's where I'm the neutral. Um, I think a 23 first is, is clearly more valuable right now. Like I think there's a pretty big gap. Um, so 
I would definitely take one over the other. I don't think there's much of an argument for that. Um, but I think at value, a 24 first is, is a better value than a 23 first right now. Um, like there is certainly players you can sell for a 24 first that you couldn't even sniff a 23 first for. Um, and so I like exploring that now because they're, uh, the 24 firsts are never going to be cheaper. This class is at least – it might not be all that we think it's going to be, but it's, it's, it's at the point, right, where it's at least going to be an average class. Um, we have all the pieces that we need in terms of we have, we have strong running backs, we have strong quarterback prospects. I, I think at worst it's average at this point, and, and people still are so hyper-focused on these 23 firsts. I'm I'm totally with you. Um, I then then the next part, right? I know that I think most people know that there's some pretty solid wide receivers at the top of the 23 class, right? You have guys like Jackson Smith and the Jig, but though he hasn't really played due to injury, like that's not discounting his his talent, right? People tried to do that to Jamar Chase. I believe that worked out uh, poorly for them. Um, I believe he's good at football. Um, something that we that some people should have remembered. Um, you have him, you have guys like Jordan Addison, you have uh, a very confusing case of the Bootes. Um, I think I, th- I think the Bootes are confusing at least a little bit. Um, so he's very confusing. But in the 24 class, you have guys, you know, like Marvin Harrison Jr. at Ohio State. You have Xavier Worthy out of Texas. You have another Ohio State wide receiver in Emeka Ibuka. Like, where are we at? Comparing these wide receiver classes, Shane, if if you had kind of if you didn't know the the draft year and you were just comparing the three guys in their film versus the next three guys, where would you be at? I, it's it's an interesting question. I think I I think the twenty three group is slightly stronger, um, just because I think Jackson Smith the Jigba's year last year. If you know, if you go back and watch last year's film, I, I think I do like that over anyone in twenty four. Um, I think Jordan Addison this year, his film is at least on par. I think with Marvin Harrison's and Xavier Worthy's, but I, I mean th- those top two for both those classes are really good. <laughs> like, 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 there's no denying how good I think as Marvin Harrison Jr. and Xavier Worthy have been. Um, and Igbuka's come out and played really well. Um, you know, we'll see if that falls off when JSN comes back. And I think, you know, you probably take him over Boutte at this point, I guess, in terms of film. Um, I, you know, I still think Boutte has a ton of upside. We saw him as a freshman. Like, I still have some faith, but obviously the film's not there. Um, yeah, that being said, I think we know the depth of the 23 class, right? And that, that, that's, and that's always one year in advance, you know, a little bit more. There's players that have emerged who haven't played yet that are going to emerge in the 24 class, like you talked about before, Kane. So I, really, that doesn't to me hurt 24, um, but I feel confident in 23, feeling like, hey, I have 12 guys that are, you know, I think can be NFL difference makers, be fantasy assets in the 23 class, really helps me out. Um, in 24, I think we have. There's three, maybe four, if you include Mario Williams um, and, and maybe an Alabama guy sneaks in there that, like, we could feel good about. It's just the nature of being a year out, um, but that's why I like the 23 class. But at the top, it's pretty darn close. 
right analytically i think nelly would probably agree to this that the the second year is one of the most important years for trying to evaluate a, a college football player analytically right yeah absolutely um and and this the 24 class you mentioned depth i think that's the big issue uh, because at the top i think it's pretty much a wash um but the 24 class we have very few guys beyond those top few names that have really um, broken out. Uh, and I think part of that, right, is like uh, is part of circumstance in terms of all the extra eligibility this past year with COVID. There are so many guys that, that came back and played that probably shouldn't have been gone. And so that took away opportunities. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a chicken, chicken or the egg in terms of um, like, do we make an exception or is this just a, is, is the class, the depth of the class, a product of that? Um, so, but as you said, like, well, more guys will emerge. I, th- I think wide receivers, it's so interesting now because it seems like every year we're going to get five guys that go in the first round. Um, it's such a good value to get a guy in the first round on your NFL team. Um, as a wide, as a wide receiver, those rookie contracts are very helpful. You're going to see a, a ton of guys go in the second and third rounds too, because teams play three wide now. Um, so I, like the guys are going to be there in the 24 class as well. Uh, I, I would be surprised if that didn't end up happening. Um, but the classes are, are it, they're pretty much a wash at this point, uh, assuming that the depth rounds out for the 24 class. We have the Bama guys who knows what's happening there. Uh, Mario Williams, potentially Bo Collins. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Here's the other thing that that's worth mentioning. And this happens every year too right Shane is that there's some players in the 23 class that we really think are worthy of entering this draft that just don't right and like they stay in school for whatever reason I think as we kind of learn more about what what NIL dollars are kind of allowing players to do um, you know I think I think there's a chance that especially guys might stay for that fourth year and maybe pick up a few of those NIL dollars if they think that their draft capital is going to be relatively the same. It, it could happen. I, I think this year we'll see what the impact of that is. Or you have a Keishon Boutte who transfers. I think the transfer portal is a big part. Can I transfer and improve my draft stock? Can I stay and make a million dollars and play, be in college for another year and party and have fun? Um, I think it could happen. And, and I think we had a couple surprise surprise stays last year, not a ton, but guys like Zach Charbonnet and Zay Flowers, um, who are probably going to be top 100 picks this year, right? And it improves that next class. I think we're going to have a couple of those players do the same for 2024. You take a guy who I, I think all, all of us are maybe a little bit lower on now. The year hasn't gone well. Parker Washington of Penn State had some hype coming in. He's probably going to stay, going to get to play with Drew Alar. There's a possibility he really raises the stock in 24 and, and helps that receiver class, rounds out that depth, right? That can definitely happen. So um, it is a little bit of an unknown with the 23 class, especially when we talk day three guys, late day two guys who could stay in school. Quarterback, I think, is a big position for that. You know, where a Tyler Van Dyke and Anthony Richardson stay in school could really improve that 24 class's depth at quarterback more than we have right now. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like, I think a lot of this 23 class is viewed with, with so much depth. And I think to an extent that's true, right? Like uh, it, it is undeniably deep. 
Um, but we're going to get guys that stay around. And they're like fringe guys who are sort of like Debbie Darlings, but probably aren't quite on the NFL draft radar to the extent where they would declare early. Guys like Izzy Abbott, someone help me out here. Abanaconda, Kendra Miller, um, wide receivers. I I thought Parker Washington was a great name. I I wouldn't be surprised if Rakeem Jarrett's in a similar boat as well. Um, Guys who are, are juniors, right? Like, I don't know if they're if they're guys who go in the second round. Uh, those running backs won't, but the wide receivers likely wouldn't either. Um, and and so some of that depth is going to get taken away and then pushed into the into the twenty twenty four class. And I think there's some similar wide receiver or running back names too, right? That that could do the exact same thing. Whether it's a Jalen Berger at Michigan State that ends up staying, that could potentially have. We saw it in a few games so far in college this year, right? that he's had some really great games. Maybe he kind of stays in, at Michigan State, pieces that together. Could have a guy like Kendall Milton continue to stay at Georgia uh, because he hasn't kind of gotten the run that, that we thought he was going to get. Um, there's a few names that that might be staying that, that can kind of add to things. There's a chance even some higher-level wide receiver names that stay, right? What if a guy like Josh Downs doesn't get kind of the advisor, his grade from the advisory board as, as he wants, right? Um which means they don't think that he's necessarily like a top 45, top 50 pick that could potentially happen. Right. What if that brings him back to school for another year, continue to play with Drake may and just really destroy the ACC, right? Like all those things are possible. And so I think that's something that we have to keep in mind when we're trying to project depth and sure, there's always going to be right. Those wide receivers that kind of come out of nowhere. Like why does Tennessee get another wide receiver drafted in the second round that we didn't know about? Right. Like it, it, it happens. Right. And that, that's always going to happen. That's going to add to the depth of the class. But at the same time, the people staying in school are actually going to take away from that depth as well. Um, and I think I think it t- kind of tends to hurt the class in depth a little more than the random guys helping the class a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think the nice thing is because there's this thought of depth in 23 guys staying won't hurt that much. Um, I, and I, I agree with you running back my whole like third tier of running backs are all guys who are going to stay in school and be in the 24 class. Um, Dwayne McBride, UAB, mine Williams at Ohio state, uh, Isaiah Davis, South Dakota state, like they're all staying, you know, none of them are leaving. So you're just going to get those guys in a year and going to add to that 24 class. So like, that's positive, but I do think the 23 class already has, a lot more insulated depth than 2022 or even 2021 that they're not, it's not really going to get hit. I've talked on the show before. I think the 2023 firsts are worth what people are paying right now. And they're paying exorbitant prices for those. And I think it's rightful. I think when you get to the second or third round of rookie drafts, it's not going to be as good as anticipated um, because of what we're talking about here. I think that, could be an issue once you get to the 205, 206. I think things will dry up. Uh, but I I do think those top 17 picks, I think it's going to be 2020 all over again. I think this is going to be a stud NFL class. I think the running backs are going to come in, make a big impact year one. I think we're going to have a couple top receivers, be wide receiver ones immediately in the NFL. Uh, and the quarterbacks are going to come in and look pretty good. So to me, that's worthwhile if that's what I've evaluated for years now for this class, 
I did the same thing for 2020. I traded a bunch of guys away in a bunch of leagues for 2020 picks. I did the same thing for 2023. I'm banking on it to be a, a, a really good year for those first round picks. Yeah, I think I think with 2023, I think the point to hammer home is the reason why this class is so strong is classes are built on they're built on top quarterbacks, like top 10 draft pick quarterbacks, and they're and they're built on um, elite running backs in terms of first round and second round draft capital. Um, and so like, if you look at the 2022 class, right. The reason why it was weak was we didn't have that. Um, there were, there were two second round running backs and, and Kenny Pickett who people didn't think very highly of. And so what happened was that pushed those wide receivers up. And so Drake London was like the consensus one Oh two Garrett Wilson consensus one Oh three, that, that sort of thing. Um, those are really good prospects, but you don't want to be spending your early first round picks on those. If those two guys were in the 2023 class, same exact profile, same exact draft capital, they're going at the 106, 107, 108. And that that's what makes that's what provides the value is these late 23 firsts are essentially last year's 2022 first because those wide receivers are very valuable, right? They just don't have necessarily the the game breaking ceiling that that um, that is realistic to expect from a top quarterback or a top running back. Um, but when you have those, basically those pillars of a draft class, it just pushes that value into the late first. Yeah. And so one of those pillars, like you mentioned, right, was, is having a really good running back class. And I think that's kind of the biggest difference for me between the 23 class and the 24 class. And that's the, the depth of kind of the top tier running back talent in 23 versus 24. I think that's one of the main things where 24 loses if we're just comparing these classes straight up. Right. And, and sure. I, it's worth noting, right. That, that it, we're projecting a 24 class. They ha- there's a lot of time before that NFL draft comes. There's a year and a half before that NFL draft comes. Right a year and a half college football that that we have yet to see that we have yet to play things are going to happen both good and bad for some players so worth noting but Shane we're talking about running backs in the 23 class you know even let's take out Bijan from the conversation right we know Bijan's really good at football we've known since the like the first play that he ever made in college football for Texas I wasn't that like a 70 yard run for a touchdown I feel like it was the first time he ever touched the ball at Texas, which makes a ton of sense if you ever watched his high school film, because that's just a continuation of what he was doing in high school. But looking at these 23 running backs, you have guys like Jameer Gibbs, the transfer from Georgia Tech to Alabama, who's played well. You have Zachary Evans, the transfer from TCU to Ole Miss, who's played uh, pretty well. You have Tank Bigsby at Auburn, who's another really solid running back. Um, I'm going to decide not to talk about Sean Tucker. Like there's Sean Tucker. I don't know him. Uh, there's a few other running backs, right? That that does make this like top tier running back like list pretty interesting in the 23 class. Well, because I think you have that top tier, and yes, I'll include Sean Tucker from Syracuse in that top five running backs of this class that I think are very solid. Probably going to get top 50, at least top 60 capital, and have immediate impact. So you have five of those guys. Plus, you're adding Zach Charbonnet, who I mentioned before, from UCLA, who was a five-star recruit, uh, had a great season last year, still looks really good. He's going to test well, 220 pounds. Um, you potentially have Devin Chain, one of Kane's favorites, 5'9", 185, 4'2", speed guy, right? We always have that speed guy. Zoom! And if NFL's going to take those day two. They're going to take Kenny McIntosh from Georgia as a pass-catching running back day two. Um, 
Chase Brown from Illinois is getting day two buzz uh, at over 200 pounds, another 4-3 speed player. Blake yeah, Corn, for sure. If he, if he declares, I mean, he's having a great year. I think even like a Muhammad Ibrahim from Minnesota, right? Early day three gets drafted. You know, he's he's a player Kane's going to draft a lot. So you might row the boat. <laughs> <laughs> there it so, is. So you know, I I think that's the difference. I mean, there 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 is potentially you know 10, 11 running backs in this class that can make be top 100 picks, make an immediate NFL impact. And that's assuming a lot of the guys we talked about go back to school. Um, maybe one declares and sneaks in there. Uh, you know, that, that could happen too. So it, it's, it's a really good running back class. And that's that's tough. And NFL teams need them right now. Natalie and I talked about it last week. Teams need running backs. The depth at running back in the NFL is atrocious right now. Nelly, just, just talk real quick, 24 running backs and kind of where you're – you're at on some of these kind of top guys. I know a, a few of the names that that uh, we've talked about on previous episodes, right? Trevion Henderson, the running back from Ohio State. Uh, you have what the running back Raheem Sanders from Arkansas. You have Braylon Allen from Wisconsin. So there's a few names: Donovan Edwards of Michigan, Will Shipley, Clemson, that might not have taken the exact next step yet. Some of these guys, uh, but there's, there's still some solid talent that we've seen on the field so far. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys have said about the 23 class, but I don't want to sleep on this 24 class. Like, I think it's an above-average class at this point. Travion's, Travion's very, very good. I think Raheem Sanders has the ceiling to be the running back one at his size and speed with the production that he's producing both on the ground and through the air. And Braylon Allen is like – Braylon Allen's just a massive dude who who is is still learning how to play the position and being productive while he's doing it. Um and and as you said, you named those other guys. Those have been the other guys up for me as well. And I think we see guys who come back for their fourth year, guys like Kendra Miller, guys like Izzy Avanacanda. Um, and, and guys will continue to emerge um, to kind of build out that depth. Um, so I do agree 23 class is better there. But I think, I think as a whole, right, Shane just mentioned the league needs running backs. They're not going to be done after this year. Like there's a, a massive wave of old running backs in the NFL right now. Some of them will be back next year, and and so it's going to be a gradual process of turning this over. So these 24 running backs are going to play a part in that. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. Last position that we don't talk about very much. Um, I think it's close to a horse apiece. I'd probably give the nod at tight end to the 24 class because I think Brock Bowers is just better than Michael Mayer. Um. But Shane, real quick, tight ends. They're there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Brock Bowers, I agree, is better than Michael Mayer easily. Um, but I do think that once again, the 23 class has depth at this position. Jaheim Bell, for whatever he's being used at South Carolina, it's gonna be an athletic tight end. Darnell Washington, I think the NFL is gonna love a six seven, two sixty-five pass catcher like i think we see a lot more tight ends than we've seen the past two years belton kincaid utah luke musgrave oregon state uh, i think we could see six guys go in the top 100 that's been kind of a rarity in in the nfl draft nowadays in 2024 with michael triggs season ending injury it's brock bowers that's all they got right now I actually, I'm a big fan of Jatavian Sanders at Texas. I think he's a 2024 running back as well. I think, or 2024 tight end as well. He's a five-star recruit as an athlete. He's been very, very good. I would, I mean, he's my debut tight end three right now. Um, I, I think he, he's pretty legit. So 20, I think this is one, the one 
the one position where I personally, I would give the nod to 2024 pretty strongly. Yeah, tight ends are available. They're there. <laughs> um, surprised. Okay, just for old time's sake, Eric Gilbert is a tight end. There, we got it out of the way. We talked about our Eric Gilbert. Don't worry, everyone. Um, he's still not playing much at Georgia, but sure, whatever. He's not. Uh, <laughs> but sure, we brought him up, so that's good. Um, so let's just wrap this conversation up in a bow. Uh, just overall, like... 23 class versus 24 class. I think the 23 class is a little bit better um, right now, right? Shane, would you be surprised if we're talking next year at this time that we're like, maybe the 24 class is actually better than the 23 class, or at least even with that good class? Um, I would be a little bit surprised. I think it could happen. I think if we, I think in 10 years, when we look back, I think there will be a clear divide, uh, even if people convince themselves that it gets close right in a year. I, I'd be a little surprised um, just because of what I think is going to happen in the 23 draft. But uh, it could, especially if the quarterbacks really work out. I mean, that, that's going to be the big difference. Um, but I do think when we look back in a decade again, I think 23 class will be heads and tails fantasy wise better than the 24 class. Nelly, how about you? Yeah, I nodded my head along with Shane there. I, I, it's ultimately, it's going to come down to if the quarterbacks develop into what we think they can. Um, if if they hit their ceiling outcomes, then I think it has the potential to be equal to the 2023 class. But there's more risk involved there, right? And, and the depth of the wide receiver class needs to round into form a little bit. Right. Um, so long story short, look at 24 first. If you're not 100% sure, if you would you know, sell a player for the 23 second. So definitely look at the 24 firsts because um, the depth is going to be solid for the 23 class, but I don't think it's going to be necessarily like world beating where you need to have some of those players that are, you know, back end of the second round. I'd much rather have that 24 first. Um, but let's go over to the main reason why people listen to this podcast, and that's because Shane teaches us something. Um, so Shane, what are we learning about today? Uh, I know I've been very U.S. centric lately, uh, and I'm going to continue that today. But I'll I'll get back to some more world stuff soon. I'm just teaching U.S. history again, enjoying enjoying it. So uh, we're we're going to talk about a, a guy named Floyd Collins. Have either of you ever heard of him? Not me. Before. I believe I believe he made the vodka Collins. Uh, he, he did not, but that would be uh, that'd be an accomplishment. So back in the early 20th century, um, there was in Kentucky. It's called the Cave Wars. Basically, like a lot of tourists wanted to see cool caves. And so a lot of the locals ha had their own caves that they would show and they would fight over who would get the tourists. And they'd, there's a bunch of crazy stuff they'd dress up as policemen and try to shoo them away from other people's caves. And Floyd Collins was a guy who did this. And so he found this beautiful cave on his land. The problem was to get there was literally an opening barely as big as a person. So he had to kind of dig this out to get the tourists there. Um, and, you know, right before it is this big kind of fall down, he had to kind of get down there. So he's like trying to dig this out for months. And at one point he's trying to get out and he breaks his lantern and moves and the, a big rock falls on his leg and a bunch of rocks fall on him. So he's stuck in this person size hole looking up 
at this just chasm where water search is dripping on him. Um, and so like his brother discovers him and there's this whole big thing that plays out of his brother and a journalist and a bunch of people trying to get him out. And it becomes the third largest story in American history between world war one and world war two. Like people are into, are they going to save this guy so much so that an actual carnival gets built right on top of the cave where he is like all these tourists just come out just waiting for days to see if Floyd Collins is going to get out of this cave. Uh, and so they try a bunch of stuff, clearing the rocks, using a rope. The governor comes in, all these companies come in. They got to save this guy from this cave. Uh, ultimately they, they end up after about five days in the cave, they dig down from the other side and, um, and then he, he dies from exposure. Uh, but like the fact that this was a huge story and is maybe something that like seems super uninteresting, but, uh, but is there's also a bunch of crazy stuff after his death with his body. There's a good uh, YouTube video by the internet historian on it. That's very entertaining. Um, if you want to check it out, but Floyd Collins and the cave wars, kind of a weird story that hit the U S and uh, became a media darling. I love that. I wasn't sure if you would, so I, I'm, I'm in. I mean, you should watch that video. You would be entertained. It'd be very interesting. I'm now doing a quick Google search, and it seems like there was a movie created about this in 2014. Oh, I'm not sure if there. I'm not sure if there was entitled not... "The Death of Floyd Collins." Ooh, I, I, I've always wanted them to make like a good movie about it. So if that does exist, I do want to check it out because I feel like I, it could be. I granted, I don't think that one's. That doesn't seem top notch. Like, like, a, like a real like big. There, there's a musical actually uh, about it, which is weird. But um, I, I suggest the YouTube video if you get a chance. Just, just Google just YouTube it. As there's, it's a really good way of doing it. I just want to let you know that there, at one point there was news that Billy Bob Thornton would play Floyd Collins in a movie and i kind of want that in my life i'd be in i'd be in on that <laughs> i still love billy bob thornton uh but let's get into our buy sells and unknown stocks here uh nelly you want to go first yeah sure so i mentioned jatavian sanders jt sanders at texas earlier uh, i'm gonna name him again as my buy because i wanted to talk about about him a little bit more he was a five-star athlete i think he was like one of the top players in the class last year uh, but the expectation was he was going to play DN. So last year he spent some time doing both DN and, ten, and, text, or, and tight end. Um, and this year he's made the full transition to tight end. And he's like, he's close to, uh, he's less than a hundred yards off what Xavier Worthy has done this year. He, he has more touchdowns this year than Xavier Worthy does. They're involving him in the screen game and the short passing game, and they're using him downfield. So I think for a guy who's relatively new to the position as a full-time guy, um, he, he's going to be a great athlete and test well. Um, I, I think he is by this end of the season with Quinn Ewers being there and, and seemingly like throwing him the ball. I think he's going to be the clear to three. Um, so I, I like buying him now. Um, sell wise, I'll sell Luther Burden right now. I uh, just updated my ranks and I moved him down a decent amount. He's actually now my wide receiver three in the class. I, I would take Evan Stewart and, and Barry M. Brown over him. Um, he, if he stays at, at Missouri, um, 
I just think he's going to struggle to realize his, his full potential. Um, he's not – Dominic Lovett is dominating him in terms of receptions, in terms of yards. He's only a year older than him. He's not going anywhere next year either. Um, and, and Luther Burton's super talented, right? He was the number one wide receiver in the class. But they're struggling to get him the ball. Lots of it is short yardage stuff. His yards per catch is super low. Um, and he also just got hurt. Um, so – I don't know if we see him again this year. Uh, a transfer would be nice. I think that would be beneficial for him. I don't know if we can count on that to happen. Um, so I'm okay with selling him now. If I could sell him for like some of those 24 running backs we mentioned, if I could sell him for Raheem Sanders or, or Braylon Allen, I don't know if you can do that. But if you can, I would do that. Um, my unknown stocks are the entire Alabama, Alabama wide receiver core. Uh, this has kind of been an ongoing uh, topic in the Discord. I asked around about this. I asked about it on Twitter as well. It's so unclear what's going to happen there, right? Like Jermaine Burton was kind of expected to be the guy this year. He hasn't taken the reins there. He's dropped dramatically. Um, but I think there's like four guys there that could, by the end of the season, be the wide receiver one in that room uh, from Debbie standards. I think you have Ja'Cory Brooks, the five-star um, taller guy he's been a little bit disappointing this year jojo earl um was a high four star he disappointed or not disappointed he's been hurt but he's finally getting healthy and then we have two freshmen who have who have flashed this year we have kobe prentice and we have isaiah bond who are both smaller guys uh, isaiah bonds very similar to Jalen model um kobe prentice is like a slot guy so who's produced a decent amount as a true freshman so it's unknown because I have absolutely no idea what to do with that room all four of them are back to back to back to back in my debut ranks and they will stay that way until someone emerges. Um, I'm going to go with mine here next, unless you want to go first, Shane. What was that? You, I think you you go next. Okay. Um, so my buy, just because it seems like he continues to move down, though he plays well. I mean, he's not the sexiest player. But, like, Michael Mayer is still going to be, like, a really, really solid player at the next level. And, like, sure, he's never going to be this, like, Kyle Pitts going to run uh, a three-second 40 or, like, be this, like, unicorn athlete, right? But he's going to be really, really solid player for quite a few years. And that's fine. It's He's going to be fine for fantasy football. Like, you need tight ends. Like, he's going to probably end up being like a back end of the first round guy in the 23 class and that's perfectly fine i don't mind that um so i'm buying him just because i think it's almost paralysis by over analysis at this point he's just done it all sure he's not that fast but he's just really really good at football um so i'll take that a guy i'm selling um i don't I feel like I have hyped this player a bit too much, uh, but and I'm probably late on the sell, but I'm probably seeing what I can get for a guy like Jackson Dart. Even if it's a couple breaths of fresh air, I think it's worth it. And there's a reason why he wasn't brought up in the 24 talk about, you know, about quarterbacks because it's not like he's been playing really well. Um, so that's my sell right now. Someone I just don't know what to do with. Um, and this is a player that Nelly and I like a lot. 
Uh, it's Donovan Edwards. Like, I understand that he's been hurt, but it's like, is that injury going to knock him down? And the other question is like, if, if Blake Corum, you know, enters the NFL draft, does Donovan Edwards like fully take over that backfield? And if he doesn't, is that just another knock on Donovan Edwards then? Like, I, I just don't know what to do with him. And I probably have him too high. I have him ranked. Um, you can see my rankings over on our discord in the secret chopper section. It's $25 a year to get all of our rankings on the anal- analytical profile and all that fun stuff. Um, I have him ranked 27 and that seems just too high, but also too low for his talent, but too high because of the situation and too low because he's just really, really good at football. So I don't know what to do. Like Donovan Edwards, it feels like he's the classic, like, oh, let's see what happens. Uh, so, so that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, it's fair with Donovan Edwards. I, I'll, I'll go with bye-bye. And actually, is a 24 guy. is a 24 receiver that we talked about. And that's Marvin Harrison Jr. I, I, I think he's playing like the top receiver in that class. I think he should be that. Um, a lot of people may not be as quick to adjust. So, like, I, I would – trade and i need to propose this in a place i'd I'd trade xavier worthy straight up for marvin harrison um and i think you could get that done uh dj moore i would trade straight up for marvin harrison i I think that could be tempting for some people if they think he'll get moved um but i I think marvin harrison jr you got the bloodlines you got the highest state you got production like you have the boxes are going to be checked uh so I, i think it's a big upside there my cell, and I promise this is not a knock at Kane, uh, who just traded for this guy, but it's Rashad Penny. Multiple places. Multiple places. Sorry. It's bad luck there. You know, we know we know the injury history of Rashad Penny, now a fractured tibia. Trade trade him for what you can get. Uh, I, I just think his career could be over. Not like no one will sign him anymore, but he's not going to – he's going to get vet minimum. He could be a Ronald Jones type that just ends up – back end of a roster if he if he's not healthy teams might just not want to sign him like odell beckham this year like it's why sign a player like this i'd trade him for a third round rookie pick i trade him for a last round debbie pick um i I think you gotta sell for what you get maybe there's a chance for higher value at some point he gets signed it looks good for a little bit but i'm just not gonna take the risk i'd rather move him now then my unknown is will rogers quarterback from mississippi state Every game I've watched this year, like his ball placement is phenomenal. Like he's really good. He's the best Mike Leach quarterback I've seen, and that includes Gardner Minshew. I I think in C two C's where he's balling, you know, maybe I trade a, a Geno Smith or a Jared Goff for him. And I think there could be some NFL future there. Maybe it's it's not you know first round pick Will Rogers, but. It wouldn't surprise me if he takes a Bailey Zappi route, gets drafted in the third round, fourth round of the NFL draft, and has some success whenever that comes, 24 uh, class perhaps. So, Will Rogers, I'm, intri- I'm intrigued. Uh, for Devi, you know, if he exists out there, I-, I think I would look to maybe get him cheap. But uh, I-, I don't know. I- I'm liking this guy. 
Well, that is it for us here at the Debbie Marketplace. Just want to say thanks so much for listening and know that we appreciate every single one of you. Make sure you get in that Discord. Make sure you're listening to the podcast and all the other podcasts we got going on, the College Football Overdrive podcast, so you don't necessarily have to watch college football. If you run out of time on the weekends, you can listen to the uh, preview and the reaction each week, so make sure you check that out. That's it for us here. Peace.